And while they are taking off, those of you staying here, let's uh, head over to the book of Romans, I think. Romans is where we're going to start. And if you didn't get a handout, the fellows, hopefully, they'll walk through with some papers and you raise your hand, give that to them. Let's do some silly true, true and false and then get into some Bible true and false as well. Chewing gum while peeling onions will prevent most people from crying. You got a 50-50 chance. That is true. Okay, you got to try it. Einstein couldn't speak clearly until nine years old. His parents and teachers, teachers thought he was mentally impaired. That is true. That is true. Um, a shrimp's heart is in its head. That is true as well. You are smart. On average, 100 people choke to death on an ink pen every year. That is true. Okay, so watch on chewing on those ink pens. Okay, men blink more often than women. <laughs> is that when they're ducking? Um, is it true or false? It is false. Average woman, twice as much. Okay? They bat those eyes and catch the man. On average, Americans eat eight acres of pizza per week. But just to get an idea, we're sitting on ten acres of property, so eight acres is pretty close to what the church property is. Is that true? It's false. Eighteen acres per day. Okay. I didn't say the average American eats this much. It was the average Americans eat that, eat that much, okay? Uh, the electric chair was invented by a dentist. Some of you are thinking about your dentist right now. Okay. That is true. It's physically impossible for most, people, most everyone to lick their elbow. True or false? Okay. It is true. Now, a question. It is physically impossible for most everyone to lick their elbow, but after reading that statement, most everyone wants to try it, okay, if they're in a good spot. You're tempted, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Delilah was the one who cut Samson's long hair that resulted in his loss of power and capture. False. Actually, it's false. Why not? Why is it false? She didn't do the cutting. It says that, uh, that she called for a man and caused that person to have him cut the hair. So it, was, it wasn't her that physically did it, but she was involved in it. We should have nothing to do with someone who is a heretic. Why do you say we should have something to do with a heretic? Yeah, 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 you got it, you got it. It's a true and false statement, okay? We're, we're supposed to separate from them, but only after we've tried to show them, yeah, get them saved, show them the Word of God. Here we go a little bit further. In order to win the world for Christ, we must become all things to all men, which means we need to speak and act like the lost. Is it totally false? Is part of the statement true? Okay, look, question. In order to win the world for Christ, we must become all things to all men. Yeah. But is that, is that a biblical statement? Did Paul say, I become all things to all men? He did say that. But the next part is, what's that? What's that? Okay. okay. What does he mean by become all things to all men? If that doesn't mean we're supposed to become like the world. It's a biblical truth that we're supposed to become all things to all men, okay? But yet we're supposed to be separate from the world. How do you balance this? Do what? Be help and support, okay? Do you remember in the context he's talking about this, what he's referring to? Okay, he is talking with that idea that, okay, when we're dealing with people, uh, can we... Can we, in, a, in, in talking with some people, if we're talking to the poet, to the philosopher, did Paul become philosophical in his speech? Did he become poetic in his speech? Mars Hill, okay? If he's talking to the, I, I don't mean to be derogatory, but the uneducated, was Paul able to speak on his level? Yes? Okay. 
is that when we're dealing with people who have some cultural background that's kind of different from our culture, can we adapt their culture so as to have opportunity not to offend and share the gospel? Yes, no? Okay. So in that sense, when, you, when he's doing it in context, he's talking about would we, could we observe social customs to become all things to all men? Um, that was the big question back in the 1800s in missions. In missions, what were most colonialist, most uh, British, what were they doing, in, uh, continentals, what were they doing when they'd go to the mission field? They were trying to westernize people. And who, do you remember which missionary really changed that to say we need to become like them in dress, in speech, in mannerism? Hudson Taylor, yeah. And revolutionized missions to say, hey, listen, we don't need to make them like us. Did uh, missionaries try that with the American Indians? Yeah, where did they bring them? Carlisle, PA. Brought them to Carlisle, PA. Took their children away, brought them there so as to reach them. What did that do? Made them angry. Made them more resentful of Christianity, which is still an issue today. That generational later, generations later, they still hold that against the uh, the you know gringos, the white man. Uh, some of you who have been out in regeneration, you've you've heard that, you've seen that, even on the Apache reservation, since they were the ones who were targeted. So the idea of becoming all things to all men, there is a biblical truth to that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean, let's not twist that passage and say we should cuss, curse, carry on like the unsaved. Um, that, that's not what that passage is talking about. Now, what, the, the, what we're talking about is becoming like Christ so as to reach the world. We've been talking about it. Now, some of you may have not been here. We had taken last week off for a mission. So just let me tell you where we're at and follow up. What we're talking about is Scripture says we're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so one of the areas that we're talking about the bulk of it for these few weeks, we'll get to something different next week possibly, um, is personal holiness. The Word of God makes it very clear that there are some things that we are specifically to stay away from. They are commanded that avoid this, and there's a list of lying, cheating, immorality, uh, covetousness, things that are very, very blatant. Then he says we're supposed to, we talked about this, stay away from certain who might influence us in a negative way. And we talked about that as far as staying away and loving not the world, not being unequally yoked, uh, having no fellowship with those who are involved with some of that unfruitful darkness, stay away from the false teachers, even believers who are not following the Word of God. So he's warned us about those things. Where we were at here a couple weeks ago, we were talking about what about those those actions, attitudes that aren't mentioned in the Bible. And I listed several that I've been challenged with, been questioned about, that, that says, hey, these aren't specifically mentioned in the Bible. What do we do with them? And so we are discussing that and only got through a little bit of it based on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. It says that we are to prove what is acceptable. And, and when I was raising my kids, I kept on emphasizing with them, we don't ask the question, what's wrong with something? We need to ask the question, what's right about this? Okay, and it's a whole different mindset, is proving what is acceptable, just examining, testing, and saying, okay, is this an activity that's okay? Lord, would you be, whatever, uh, honored by it? So we're asking this to say, okay, is this an activity that would be helpful to me in my family? Would it be honoring to the Lord? And so some of the questions that we might ask, based on some biblical principles, when we're examining something, were some of these questions. Okay, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The question that we're going to want to ask about some topic, some activity, something we get involved in and is very simply, does this, does it glorify the Lord? Okay, does it, will it bring honor to the Lord? That one's a real, bla- uh, real apparent one. Abstain from all appearance of evil. So that one's simple too. Does it look bad? Does it look wrong? And so our conversation where we talked about this is we need to be concerned about how this reflects our testimony. Okay, because in certain cultures, could something be evil that isn't evil in another culture? Yes or no? 
It can't can happen. Okay? Mayonnaise in some cultures is considered really bad. How many of you use mayonnaise? Yes, no? Oh, how many think it's really bad anyway? Oh, so forget the culture thing. It's just the taste. Okay, here we go. This one question. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. It was very similar to what we talked about to the last question. Does this enhance my testimony? Does it hurt my testimony? Is the idea. Will it bring the lost to think about glorifying the Lord? Okay, here let's get into something that we did not touch on. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, you are not your own. You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. What question has to be asked by believers? These are really important. We've got to get this down. If you're, if you're hesitant because you're afraid, you know, please help us out. If you're hesitant because you don't know, write this down. These are very important. What's that? Okay. Um, I think this, this one's dry. But that's true. We're going to get to a specific one. But what's he talking about with our bodies? Okay, we need to take care of our bodies. Okay? Our bodies are not our own. We're bought with a price. Therefore, when we're asking the question, we have to ask, does this harm my body? Okay. What would be something that a hundred years ago, this wouldn't, they, they wouldn't have thought that way, but today we say, yes, this is something we should stay away from. Smoking, t- tobacco, okay? Well, a hundred years ago, it was, it was the thing to do. Preachers did it. You know. um, what's that? Yeah, doctors did it, yeah. But uh, in fact, it's not even a hundred years ago. Do you remember, some of you remember who are in my age group? Do you remember how on TV, what did every cool person do? They smoked cigarettes. Now they have the warnings on the TV, may contain some tobacco products, you know, in the program. So we've become aware of that. That's one illustration. There's a whole bunch of, or application, there's a whole bunch of others that we should be asking is, will it harm my body? And by the way, does this vary between people at times? Yes, it does, because the way our bodies react, metabolism, etc. That's why, okay, that's why anything before noon is wrong, okay? Because some of us like sleep. Others don't so much. Uh, I'm teasing on that one. Okay, all things are, I'm just not sure where you're at this morning. Are we awake or are you thinking I'm serious in all things? All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. What is the principle you gotta, you got to practice and teach kids, grandkids? Will this what? Will this enslave me? The, the, will this become a control of me? Okay. Will this be something that I could be a habit, an addiction? We've had some really godly people here that have applied this in a different way than some of you would apply it. Typically, we would say, okay, if it's, again, we could use tobacco product, that is something that could uh, become addicted to, therefore I stay away from. Um, one, of, one of our folk, and I told you about a professor that did the same thing, they uh, had to apply this in their own life with sports because the sports activities became such a control in their life that, um, you know, they were, they were getting caught up with it so much. It was almost addictive to be involved in some type of sports activity to the point that they weren't getting things done. Does that, can that happen with entertainments? Could this, could this become addictive? Okay, should there be, should, how, how, and yet we function with these. You're a parent and you're trying to teach your kids not to become addicted to it. What's, what's something you could do? Put it down? Yeah, tell the kids that. Yeah, by example. Okay, yeah. What might you do in your home? Okay, could you have, could you have a free electronic evening? Without making it evil. Could you just say, hey, we're going to have an evening where we're not doing this. We're going to have a meal, and the meal is going to be device-free, okay, and, sp- and have some times. There are some excellent books going out, and especially for some of you who are younger parents. Uh, some of the people in the field, I forget the name of the book we were just talking about with our, with our um, 
children, and they were applying it in their homes. How kids, little kids, preschool kids, how addictive these devices are becoming. And that parents should, and these are people in the field who make it. They said parents who are wise should have moments where they're taking away these devices and limited, especially for the elementary age and the preschool age. And the irony of it is that what are the schools doing? Yeah, they're they're yeah they're using it as well. So there's got to be wisdom in that, okay? And so even in something, and I'm using it as an illustration, something good that we've got to be able to say, hey, uh, does it control me? Um, you know, for us who are who are somewhat of a generation removed from being totally addictive, but when we grew up, TV was addictive, right? To some people, so examine these things and say, "Okay, uh, we need to we need to be examining: Is this something that is getting?" And, and and again, are we talking about evil items? Not necessarily, but it's just how does it affect you? And uh, being able to have balance in your life. Let us therefore judge. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this: that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I'm going to go a little bit further. Take heed lest by any of you means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. A little bit further. Wherefore, if meat make your brother to offend, I will eat no flesh meat while the world stands, lest I make my brother to offend. What's the common theme between those three verses? The question that you may have to ask. Okay. Uh, in particular to who? Okay. How will this, what I do, how will this affect others close to me? Will I stumble others? Do you remember what the meat issue? If somebody is here who doesn't understand uh, when he talks about eat no meat, he isn't saying I'm going to become a vegetarian. That's not what the text is talking about. In fact, he says later on, all things should be received with thanksgiving. And he warns that in the latter days, some will come with the doctrines of the demons. And one of those characteristics of the doctrines of the demons, they will forbid to marry and they will, they will abstain from the meats. Okay? So he's not saying meat is wrong. But in the setting, do you remember what the setting is for, for that passage? What's that? Yeah, it was, and if we, can, if we can make a silly scenario, and for those of you who are familiar, I, I beg your indulgence, but just I want to make sure everybody understands this. In like Corinth, they would have the temple, you're bringing your animal, you're sacrificing, and it was well known that the priests who were working the temple would take your, the rest of your sacrifice that wasn't burned, they would take it to the backside of the temple, and that's where the meat market was. They would sell the rest of the animal that you had brought, if you were a non-believer, you would bring it for sacrifice. So they were making double profit. You're paying them to make the sacrifice. They take the entire animal and they sell what they don't sacrifice. And what was happening is believers were responding and saying, hey, wait a minute. If I eat this meat, this meat has been offered to an idol. Should I eat it or shouldn't I eat it? Because it's been, some felt, tainted by the worship in the sense that it was being used by the, by the pagan priests. And so Paul comes to the conclusion, and in the text, he makes a, 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 a strong argument that the meat hasn't changed, the meat itself isn't the issue, you know, and basically, if it doesn't bother me, I have the ability and the opportunity, I can eat it. I'm not worshiping that, guy, that thing. It's in the meat market, whoever's, somebody's selling it in the meat market, and says it's, it's no problem for me to eat the meat, but... If eating the meat stumbles another younger Christian, then what's his conclusion? Then I'm not going to eat it. Okay, what might be those possibilities today in application? We, we've talked about this before. Somebody who becomes, somebody who comes to Christ who's been an alcoholic. What don't you want to do? You don't want to take them to a restaurant where there's a bar. Okay. Um, somebody who tells you, I am struggling with, I, I am so caught up with media and TV and I can't control it. What don't you want to do when they come to your house? Okay. You don't want to take them to a movie. You don't want to put your TV on. You don't want to do that. Somebody says to you, I, I, I've, you know, I've 
I'm staying away from sports. You know, whether my team does good or bad, I get too emotionally wrapped up in the, in the sports. I lose my temper. I, you know, um, I carry on. So for me, I don't watch sports. And that might be a valid concern for somebody, eh? Nay? Okay. What don't you do when you invite them over? You, you don't turn the sports on. Okay. Now, so you're, you're trying to be sensitive to people. You're trying to, you know, be, be cautious with them. Um, if, if when I got saved, um, th- this is going to sound really stupid. When I got saved, I was six, 15, 16, the bars in our community were open to the teenagers to some degree. And one of the games that we would frequently play in the bar when we would go was foosball. So in my mind, foosball was a bar activity. When I got saved, one of the things I didn't want to do was, the bar wasn't the question, was foosball put me in the mindset we're back in the bar. For me, it was, I don't want to play foosball for a while. So if, so if I went to the youth group and went to somebody's house, what should the other teens if they knew that, what should they not ask me to do if they had foosball in their basement? Okay. And, and you might look and say, that's a silly thing in your life. Okay. And I don't have a problem with foosball anymore. But initially, uh, let's take somebody who is a gambler. And they're just drawn into gambling. You don't invite them over if they got saved and they say they're trying to put that. Don't invite them over to play cards. Okay, so you're being sensitive to that and understanding. My question goes that I wanted to ask you, how far does this go? Okay, what if someone doesn't like the color of the outfit you're wearing? What, or what if you're wearing jewelry? And they said, I was taught that all jewelry is wrong. Or they said, they said I, I think TV is wrong, and therefore you shouldn't have a TV either in your home. Um, that offends me. And you say, people don't do this. Trust me, this gets all the time. We've had people come here to our church who have asked me, can I preach a message about the ills of TV? It was a problem in my life. I want to make sure everybody gets rid of their TV because it offends me. And I said, well, I'm not going to have you do that because personally I have four TVs in my house. And they said, we're never coming back to your church because that offends me that you have a TV. I've had people come up to me and say, it offends me you wear pink at times. Because pink is what? A girl color. Only in the last few decades. Guess what the girl color was prior to like 1950? The girl color was, was blue... The boy color was pink. Okay? So it's, it's a cultural thing. But I've had people say, I'm offended that you wear pink at times. I've had people tell me, I'm offended you wear colored shirts. You know, and you shouldn't do that. I'm offended that you have, you have a guitar up on the platform. That offends me. How far do we go with this? How far does somebody else's personal choices affect and can they impose them on us as a group, as a whole? Obviously, you know where I'm standing because I'm using illustrations. I still wear pink, okay? And we do have a guitar there, okay? Um, But the question, what is the question here that has to be answered? That's the question. That's the heart of the issue. The issue isn't what I like or don't like. It's what stumbles me. Not what I don't like. Not what offends me. What does it mean to stumble somebody? What's that? Cause them to actually sin. It's not dealing with their preferences. It's dealing with something that would cause them to sin. That's what we're talking about. The offender become a stumbling block doesn't talk about yielding to somebody's preferences or personal choices, but rather it causes them to embark on a sinful conduct or return to an ungodly practice. 
I don't think my choice of wearing colored shirts causes somebody to go into a sinful practice. I hope not. Okay, I hope not. Right. Okay. But, you know, um, we had that issue I shared with you before. Somebody said that this preacher of Faith Baptist Church is terrible because he drives a red car. And you know what red cars are? I don't know what red cars are. I, I honestly don't know what they were talking about. But does, does me or you driving a red car, can you possibly, this is me, I can't possibly imagine how does driving a red car cause somebody to fall into sin? Maybe I'm being totally insensitive. Maybe they did. Yeah, maybe in their background, the red car takes them back into a memory. Yeah, which I understand memories. Yeah, but therefore you, none of you should have, who has red cars? How many, how many have red cars? Should have figured, Dave, it was you. Okay, this, this is an important issue. Because you, and you need to teach your kids how to discern this. Because how would you typically respond if somebody's coming up to you and they're saying, this offends me, this offends me, this offends me. What would you want to do with Christianity? What's that? If I were a young person and I'm hearing all this happening, I'm going, this is a little bit too much. And yet, should we be sensitive if it's causing somebody to stumble? Are we obligated to be sensitive if it causes somebody to stumble? We are obligated. We don't have a choice if it's causing to stumble when we're in that person's uh, realm. But do we have a choice when it comes to observing your preference? Some of you have a preference of not wearing a tie. And I'm wearing a tie. Yeah, okay. Oh, but you've got a pink shirt on. <laughs> so we're halfway there. Okay, okay. Which one is right? The, the Not a tie or a tie? <laughs> doesn't make a difference. It doesn't. It doesn't. Neither one of us are going to be caused to sin because of a difference, okay, in that regard. But... If I'm invited over and they have a party and they have a dress code, I, I, I'll observe, you know, okay, I won't wear pink or I won't wear a tie or I will wear a tie, whatever. But the, do you understand how this is such a borderline controversy in some churches? Can you understand how this splits churches? Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to take you to the next step, Patty. Thank you for introducing it that way. It is helping them to avoid some personal temptation that is because of their personal weakness. Okay? I, th- get this thought, okay? When somebody says, this, this offense or stumbles me, Oftentimes, those who do that feel that they are stronger in the faith, that they have a mightier faith. In reality, biblically, those who are stumbling with meat, and it still causes them to go back, what does Paul call them? The weaker or the stronger? They are the weaker. The stronger are those that this is not an issue. Okay? I don't struggle with that anymore. Okay, I struggled with foosball because at that time I was weaker in that area. As time goes by, what should I do? I should grow so that I don't have that issue anymore. Okay, and so as we grow, then it's like, okay, the, the person in the red car, maybe, they, maybe something in their past, but after a period of time, they, we hope that they would get over, if possible. Yeah. Right. Right. Good. Good. Good observation. Although we are we are to seek to live in unity, 
and peace, we are not bound to yield for all others dislikes, likes, or opinions. Right? Okay. Can we even have a difference in who we vote for? And can we still be peaceful? Okay. It's probably going to happen in the primaries coming up. Okay. We may have differences of opinions. Okay. But the point is we're not to compromise. To the point that I wanted to stress this, Patty, what you said, is this. Someone who insists that others yield to their personal choices is living on the border of being a spiritual bully. Or worse, they fall guilty of causing divisions within the church. Or worse, they're practicing a form of legalism. They're imposing their personal standard upon everyone. I, this, this is me, okay? And if I get to heaven, I don't think he's, I'm going to be wrong when we get to heaven. But that guy who came and insisted that every one of you get rid of your TV and he needed to preach on it. In my, in my heart and based on Scripture, I think that was legalism. That was a legalistic standard that's saying you're not spiritual because you have a TV. You're not, you're not spiritual if you drive a red car, okay? That's legalism. That is warned against in Scripture. And so, the, the causing divisions, that's warned against too in Romans 16. And so, we come to the point where we say, hey, we have differences of opinions. Yeah. We have differences of vehicles or, or teams that we cheer for, whether we cheer for them or don't have anything to do with sports. But we can still be united in worship. And we have to recognize that. I mean, we have differences in what food is good. Some of you still haven't gotten it right, okay? In my mind, and I joke about it, but is it wrong if you eat coconut? As much as I joke about it, is it wrong for you to eat coconut? No. And eat, what do you call it, scrapple. Okay. Is it wrong for you not to eat liver? That, that's all preferences, okay? And so, can't, have you seen people make it a spiritual standard? Yeah. Yeah, so we need to be very, very careful. Anyway, think that, digest that. Please, the reason I'm, I'm belaboring this, please teach the young people how to be discerning in this area. Because some are getting totally turned off by overreacting to what, what is presented present biblical truth and saying there are some things that just plain are not black and white. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Finally, brethren, you've got to ask yourself a question. Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, if good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. These things you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, and the peace of God shall be with you. The key thought in my mind is think on these things. So if we're evaluating something, right or wrong, and this applies to my illustration, I used a foosball for me for a period of time. What's the question that we have to ask? What does this make me think about? Where does, you just mentioned about the car. For some people, that might take them back the memory of something that they still struggle and it's fresh and they still are battling with it. There are certain things, um, this, this probably nobody else will be able to relate to this. There was a certain type of music I refused to listen to for an exterior, ex, um, ex, yeah, for a long period of time. Okay. Why? Does music ever take you back to situations? Does it put you in memories? Does it put you in moods? Okay, so for, and if I just illustrate it, I'm going to stick it in your mind, okay? But there was certain artists, there were certain songs that that was my music. And I associated with the things I did as a teenager. So when I got saved, it was like, I, I don't want to replay that music because it takes me back into that mental environment. Does that make sense to anybody? Okay, okay. So in that regard, there was 
for me, I had to put away that music for a, and music more than anything for a longer time than most things. I don't know about you. Do you ever hear a song yet today and it takes you back? Okay, okay. So for me, it was more, it was a battle. And it's like, okay, what does it, does it promote godly thinking? And I can say now after, you know, going on 55 years of being saved, it is easier than what it was. But I had to ask myself the question, what does this get me to think about, to think upon? Okay, and so if I'm, this might take away some of your TV shows. Yes, no? Could some TV shows take somebody down a path they don't want to go? Yes, no? Okay. Lust, uh, attitude towards authority. Um, so, it, again, you're evaluating things, and you're trying to ask, okay, and you're trying to get your kids to, to, to grow this way. What does this get me to think about? And so it's, it's tough, you know, but it, the good questions. Here's another one. Men love, this one's a little bit, this is a little bit, uh, not twisted, but think through a little bit more. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. He that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest. It is a shame to speak of those things which are done in secret. What might be a question that you want to ask about certain activities? Yeah, good, good way of putting it. Good, are there some activities that are appropriate to be in private? Our conversations, you know, any romanticism, that is appropriate to be private. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about rather, is this something questionable that I do only in secret? I do it just to keep Everybody, you know, ignorant of it. If it is something that, if it's something that we're looking at, something that we're reading, something that we try to keep secret, shouldn't that raise some flag to say, is this right or wrong? Does that make sense? Okay, okay. So that idea is, you know, I don't want to do this when other believers are around. Why not? Can't hide it from God, but we think we can. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's my message this morning. Okay, stop, Ron. Okay. <laughs> For hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example that you should follow. Okay, Joyce, let's go to the question you said before. What would be the question that would apply here? Do you remember what you said? Yeah. I don't remember what you said, but I know you said it. Okay. Uh, would Jesus... Would we take Jesus? Is this something Jesus would do? Okay, uh, that idea, because he's leaving us an example. So I, I think this is a really potent question to ask, to get your kids to think. Is this something that Jesus would do? You know, it's very practical. Would Jesus say things like you're saying? Would he use the words that you're using? Would he? Did Jesus enjoy doing things with people? Yes? Okay. Do you think Jesus ever smiled? Ever laughed? I mean, he made you. Okay. And me. Okay. It was a generous laughter there. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm not trying to get people to think that Jesus is this miserly old Scrooge. But we need to examine, do you, is this something Jesus would be doing? Uh, which is a really potent question. Here's another one. This principle, we would all gladly teach our kids right away. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor mom and dad, which is the first commandment that may be well with you. What is the principle here? This isn't really applying to you because of your age. Okay. But you want to teach your kids this principle. Okay. Some of you are... Yeah, obedience to parents. What do my parents say about me doing this? If your parents say they don't want you to do this, does that mean you only don't do it when they're there? Yes, no? We've run into this. We've run into this where parents have rules. Kids go on trips with us and break mom and dad's rules or standards about something that 
I might have a different standard on. What should I be telling those kids if they're on a trip with me and their parents have a certain standard? And it may not be my standard. What should I tell those kids? They have to, hold, they have to follow their parents' standard. Whether the parents are there or not, they need to still be obedient to their parents. And so the question that you want, you know, they shouldn't be doing this until. What's the until? Okay, I had, I had four kids. We had certain standards that were set for entertainment, for places to go. And the conclusion that we had is... Go ahead, say it. When you're under my roof. When you're under my roof, you can hold this. When you get on your own, you, 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 know, you can hold to those standards or not. You still have to answer to God. You have to answer to God. You may, but, but their stand, they, and some of, some of the things they didn't hold to, because they had a different childhood. Some of the things, for instance, foosball, and, and I'm just going to keep that for a silly illustration. Is foosball wrong? Was it a battle for me? Therefore, in my house, I would have said, no foosball. Okay? But when they get their own house... They can have a foosball. You can have 10 of them. I don't care. You know, you can play it. But it was just and that, you know, we didn't grow up with that one. I'm just using it for an illustration. But they still had to be respect. And, and for us, to me, mom and dads, the key issue of training them wasn't just obliging and following the standard. What's that? They had to honor us. They still had to be respectful, even if they disagreed. They still had to maintain a respect for us and no belittling. No, I, I don't care. You can ask all the questions. Ask me why. I'll tell you why. Because of this, is, you still had to be respectful. And when you get on your own, and even to this day, if we had a different standard than our kids, and I'm not sure if we do, but there still has to be respect both ways. Okay. Um, here's one for you. Oh. This, this is a twisted verse by a lot of people. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. What a lot of people think moderation is. Limit what you do. Yeah. Yeah, most people say, you know, um, not, not excessive, especially when it comes to eating and drinking. Okay. Um, what is Moderation. And if you have any, you can look it up in your Bible. Do you have a different translation for the word moderation? What it is? It's in Philippians 4, verse 5. I don't know if your translation gives you. If, if not, you ought to make sure you mark what this is. This verse is brought up a lot of times within this discussion. And, you know, it's used on both ends of the argument. Okay. What do you have? Gentleness for moderation. Anybody, do you have the same thing, Ginger? Okay. Graciousness. Graciousness. Sweet reasonableness. What do you have? Who's, who's piping up here? Oh, yes, Carol. Reasonableness. Okay. That is exactly what the word is. Okay. That idea. The word is a gentleness, a friendly disposition, a forbearance towards all people. It's the attitude of living peaceably, not overreacting. Let your moderation, your self-control be known to all people. Not a, you know, outburst type thing. So who should see this? Who should see that you're practicing self-control? All men. Who would that include? Okay, believers, unbelievers. Would it include your family? Those who you work with? Okay, so the question we've got to ask here, okay, is this. Does this, when I'm doing this, can I maintain self-control? Can I maintain a good disposition? What might be a situation for some people that they lose it? What activity, for instance? Okay, drinking would do that. Sports would do it. Do, have you ever seen people lose it with sports? And just... Okay, could that have, and if you can't handle that, um, you know, and it, it, we, we could think through several different examples. Shopping. 
Have you ever seen some people in the, in the shopping just, they don't have sweet, un, uh, sweet reasonableness. You know, when they're at the counter, it is. Okay. Um, so, so this, can you see where this would apply? You're teaching your kids, you have to practice self-control. Okay, if you can't have self-control, th- this is my rule with my, my kids. They played high school sports, but I told them, if I'm in the stands and I see you when you're out there doing something that is showing a lack of control, I'm coming over to the bench and I'm having you call out of the game. They didn't believe me. Okay, and one of them, one of them, you know, just, you know, um, Got, got really ticked during game and turned towards another player, if I recall right. Turned towards the, the other player and, you know, did the fist thing like this. And then they looked towards the stands and they went over and said, I got to be pulled. Okay, why is that? Because of this. It's not because of me. It's because of what God says. They need to learn. I need to learn. That's why some of you shouldn't drive. <laughs> You, there needs to be self-control. Okay, uh, let's do another question. Okay, oh, this one's this one's going to open up Pandora's box, and we have just a few minutes. One man esteems one day above another. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Take it a step further. He that doubts is damned if he eats, because he eats not of faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What's the principle you have to ask? What's the question? Hmm. Okay, is it right for me? A little bit further with that one. You've got to prove what is acceptable. What happens if you aren't sure about, about whatever you're talking about? Okay, whatever this is, should I get involved in this activity? Let me throw one to you. Okay, let me use a modern-day illustration. Halloween. Trick-or-treating. Evil? To have your kids go and get candy? Sinful? Or is it just fun? Some of you are persuaded both ways. Some of us, we, 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 were, we struggled. Where is this? Where is it not? Okay. And, and we can get into discussions, and I don't really want to get into all the discussions. But in that, in that situation, so if you're not sure, what does this passage say you have to do? You don't do it. You don't do it. You, you can't do it. If there's doubts about it, in, in sports, if in doubt, punt. Okay? That's the idea. If I'm not confident it's okay, then it is safer to just say... I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I teach this to people. Teach this to teenagers. Because what is our typical, when we were teens, if we didn't think it was bad, it was do it. We were all that way, folk. We all had that mindset. And some of us still do. Okay? Yeah. Can I race the train or not and beat it? If in doubt... Don't do it. Just don't do it. Okay, now this is where we get into some hairy, hairy issues. Which, and I'm doing this, I know I'm belaboring it, but I really am trying to help you to be able to pass on biblical principles for living to your kids and grandkids. And you've got to think them through. Okay, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Will every one of us have the same conclusions? I gave you the answer, sorry. Okay, the answer is no. Okay, we won't all... This was exactly, and then and, and you say, okay, is there something wrong with us if we all have differences to some degree? Not if we go by the Bible. If you go to the scriptures, go to Matthew 9, and let me show you something that happens in Matthew 9. There was a difference between Jesus and John's disciples. Matthew chapter 9. Okay, I didn't get as far as I wanted to in one of these texts, but we'll pick up next week. Matthew 9, verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do the Pharisees fast a lot, but your disciples don't? 
John's own disciples didn't understand what Jesus' disciples were doing. They figured since they fasted, then Jesus' disciples should fast as well. And Jesus responded, Can the children of the bride mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? No. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, and then they shall fast. Another text that this comes up in is Matthew 11. Flip over. In Matthew 11, the same thing comes up. And this is when they're talking about Jesus and John, and Jesus gives a, gives a parable. Matthew 11, verse 16. Unto, uh, whereunto shall I liken this nation, this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets, calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, you have not danced. We have mourned unto you, you have not lamented. For John came neither eating or drinking, and you said he what? The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you said, He's gluttonous. So in other words, Jesus is saying, some people were condemning everyone. Okay, who's right? John's disciples by, by monastic living. Jesus' disciples by going out and eating. Who is right? Both. Both. How is it possible you can have both on those issues? Because Jesus is under, giving us the understanding that, listen, there can be differences in some of these personal applications of some of these principles. And he's saying that meets, he makes the comment, meets, meets for one doesn't cause a problem, but for others it does. Some esteemed days, what's he mean by some esteemed days? Did Jehovah Witness take it to say you should never observe birthdays, etc., etc.? What was he meaning when he said some people esteem days? You're not sure? It's not the holidays and birthdays. Yes, yeah, celebrating what? It could be pagan. It's really talking about, that text is talking about uh, some who were saved in the church were Jewish. Yes? And some were Gentiles. Did the Jews still observe some of their national holidays? Yeah, they did. Was that wrong? No, he's saying it's not wrong. Some still observe, yeah, they did. They observed some of those things because part of that wasn't just their worship. It was their, their, life, their nationality, their, their culture. And so he's just basically saying, hey, listen, some observe, some don't. Okay, It's their choice. Some do the meats, some don't do the meats. It's their choice. Some wear ties, some don't wear ties. It's their choice, okay? Um, and then, if you know, and I'll, I'll stop right here. I'm sorry, gone too long. In Acts 5, because this is so critical, and then we're going to have to pick up anyway next week. In, uh, he makes this comment in Romans 14. He says this, One man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day the same. Let every man be fully persuaded. Do you remember the rest of it? In his own mind. Why do we have differences then? If we have the same... We'll pick up. We, we ended up last time with that same question. Let's pick up next week with this. Really, really important stuff for you to be able to train in your own family. Thanks so much for your listening to this point.